He is risen. Christians around the world for the last 2,000 years have taken this day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. There is no place in Israel that you can go, no tomb that you can visit that has the bones of Jesus because Jesus left no bones behind. After the third day, he was raised again back to life and the first ones to his tomb were two women. The angel sat on the stone that had been rolled away and he said, you're looking for the crucified Jesus, but he is not here for he has risen. And as the most important day in all of history and all of humanity, we celebrate Jesus, not merely a man, but Jesus, God. And thank you for celebrating with us today. Join me in prayer. So Father, as we come before you today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for his suffering and his death on the cross because his death has given us life. That we who were dead are made alive when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And we thank you that you are making all things new and that the gospel in every and any season is and always will be good news to sinners. We pray and praise your name. All in the name of Jesus, we say, amen. When I was in college, I lived downtown. That's where my school was at. And I, during that season, oftentimes took the CTA train. And I actually quite enjoyed taking the train unless it was the brutal winter of Chicago. And there was times where I would take the train and I'd be switching from the orange line coming from here and switching to the brown line uh, downtown. And I would get off the train and if you take the CTA, you've taken it, you know what this feeling is like. I would, the train would get there there was a crossover place, and I would see the other train arriving at the same time that my train arrived. And so everybody who's working with their briefcases, me with my heavy backpack, would run up the stairs, try to cross. I can see people getting onto the train, and I feel like my time is slipping away. And sometimes I would make it. Other times, those doors would close, and sometimes CTA people would just look at you like, I made it and you didn't. <laughs> and then you would go in a cold winter day, you'd go over to their heated lights, and you'd stand there with everybody else who was freezing, praying to God for the next train to come quickly as those dumb-looking Chicago pigeons are right next to you. <laughs> kind of mocking you a little bit. But I'll tell you what, when you miss the train, you may miss an appointment, you may come late to class, you may have to wait in the cold. But there are consequences to missing things, and missing the train is nothing compared to missing 
the Savior. In the gospel depiction and presentation that you just saw, you saw the final hours of Jesus' life here on earth. And in Luke chapter 23, we see that Jesus is placed on the cross between two criminals. One to his right and one to his left. And as Jesus is on the cross and his first statement is, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. We see the responses of the people during that day to Jesus being on the cross. In verse 35 of Luke chapter 23, we see the response of the rulers, the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious people of the day. And their response is, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also responded to Jesus. They came up and they mocked Jesus. They offered him wine vinegar, which would have diluted Jesus' senses. And they said to him up on that cross, if you are, the king of the Jews, save yourself. The third person that we see in scripture who responds to Jesus is the criminal that's to his right. A criminal that was a thief. We don't understand all the severity of his crime, but his crime has led him to be nailed to a cross, and his time is quickly slipping out of his hands. And even as a criminal on the cross, he looks to Jesus and joins in with both the rulers and the soldiers and says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Each one of these representatives, the rulers, the religious people, the soldiers, and even the criminal that was on the cross, all missed who Jesus was. They missed what Jesus was coming to do. They didn't understand his purpose on the cross. See, Jesus, if Jesus was to leave the cross or get off the cross or avoid the cross, if Jesus was to listen to their demands and call down angels and save himself, then Jesus would not have been able to save the world. And when Jesus in his last breath said, it is finished, it's because the work was finished. The final criminal to his left. To hearing the rebuke, the mocking, the insults from the rulers, the soldiers, and even from the criminal on the other side of Jesus. This criminal who has been hanging on the cross for hours now at this point, right alongside Jesus, rebukes. The criminal, the criminal to the right and says to him, don't you 
fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. If you were to read these words quickly, you may miss the importance of this short few verses, this short dialogue of a criminal talking to Jesus, but his words weigh heavy and have tested this, the time of man over 2,000 years to the point where we talk about it today. The criminal starts his rebuke and says, don't you fear God. See, this criminal understood that God was real. He had a reverence, a fear, a respect for God Almighty himself. And as you hear his next words slip out after that, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence what he so clearly understands in his final moments, what he's saying to the criminal on the other side of Jesus is don't you, don't you fear God since you under the same sentence, the same sentence, we both have death in front of us and yet you still mock Jesus. This criminal understood that his life was over he had but a few hours left on the cross. He was thinking about death, thinking about his life, thinking about the afterlife. And what I've found in talking with so many people at their deathbed or in their final moments is that when death is near, life is clear. When you and I come to our final moments here on earth and our time is coming to an end, some of us will go in but an instance, not prepared for our death. Others of us will see death right in the face and know that our final hours are, are, are upon us. But I'll tell you this, everyone in their final moments thinks to what is next. Everyone in their final moments of death of coming face to face, face with death clearly understands really truly what is important and what is not important, what should be forgotten and what should be remembered. This criminal in his final hours sees more clearly than he's ever seen in his entire life. And you know the clarity that he sees because of the words that he says next. He says, Speaking to the other criminal, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. This criminal, naked there on the cross, was not lying to himself. I'm innocent, that's why I'm on here. I didn't really blow it. I didn't live a bad life. He's not lying to himself. He sees it as it is, and he acknowledges his sin. 
He acknowledges on this cross that he's blown it. He acknowledges that he's failed, that he's committed crimes, that he has sinned against God Almighty himself. He's owning his sin and understands the gravity of where he is in his life with a few hours in front of him. I'll say this. If you don't think you're sick, you'll never go to a doctor. If you don't think you're a sinner, you'll never need a savior. Jesus said this very thing in Mark chapter two, verse 17. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus came for the broken, the outcast, those of us who would one day have a moment where we would realize out of the brokenness of our life that we have blown it and sinned against a holy and righteous God who is just and perfect and cannot overlook our sins. Someone must pay the price. And this criminal realizes on the cross that Jesus is not in the same circumstance that he is. He realizes that Jesus is, in fact, innocent on this cross and has been innocent his entire life and has never sinned. You can hear it in the words of the criminal. He says, but this man, referring to Jesus, has done nothing wrong. See, this criminal in his final moments understood the righteousness and the purity of Jesus who was the Lamb of God. He understood his condemnation and why he deserved to be there, but he looked over at Jesus and said, this man has done nothing wrong. He understood to live a perfect life, you have to be deity. And he makes but a simple request to Jesus. He realizes his situation and his brokenness and his sin. And he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He looked over to Jesus from his broken his brokenness, his sin, his place on the cross, knowing his life was about to end, and he called out to Jesus, pleading and seeking mercy, remember me, Jesus. Remember me, Jesus. Everybody else may forget my, my existence and my significance once I leave this earth, but you, Jesus, would you remember me, and he acknowledges something in his next words, which are so profound. He says, when you come into your kingdom, see what this criminal knew that the rest didn't, what this criminal acknowledged that the rest didn't, what this criminal understood that the rest did, didn't, is that Jesus has a kingdom and you only have your own kingdom if you are a king. Jesus. was the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And this criminal 
had clarity that he was so close to his end, had clarity that Jesus was who he said he was. And I think about the way that Jesus chooses to respond to this criminal. You know, we know from the Gospels, there's four different accounts of Jesus dying on the cross. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the account of Luke. But we find out something interesting from both Mark and Matthew's account. We find out that this criminal who was on the cross, on the other side of Jesus, just a few hours earlier, was in this crowd mocking Jesus from the cross. This man did not come onto the cross a believer or follower of Jesus and was just waiting for his moment. This man did not believe when he came on the cross who Jesus was that he said he was. This man was mocking with the rest, but there was something that happened in the middle of his suffering that made him realize this is the Savior, the Son of God, right, be right beside me on the cross. It may have been the moment... When Jesus, looking out of the people who were mocking him, said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, but we can only speculate. Imagine. But in the middle of his suffering, with his life coming to an end, and when he was watching Jesus just a few feet away, dying on the cross, there's something that he saw in the suffering Savior that drew him to Jesus and convinced him that Jesus is God. And Jesus could have said in his response to this criminal, he could have said, you know what? You don't deserve it because you mocked me. You don't deserve to, to have a relationship with me because you've sinned and you've blown it. Look at where you're at. Jesus could have said, stop talking to me, sinner. Stay away from me. Stay over there. You don't deserve where I'm going to be part of my kingdom. But it's not the way Jesus responds. Jesus sees a human at their most broken, humble point, realizing they need a savior, drowning in the sin and the condemnation that they've lived in. And Jesus responds like this. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's never too late. If you still have breath in your lungs, if your heart's still beating, let me tell you this, no matter what type of life you have lived, no matter what you've done or where you've gone or how people know you or label you, it is never too late. If your heart is still beating and there's breath in your lungs, let me tell you this, it is never too late for the Savior to wash your sins away and usher you into his kingdom and prepare a place for you in paradise. There is no sin that the blood cannot cover. There is there's no sin that cannot be washed away. The thing that you are ashamed of, that you wouldn't tell anybody that's a secret you held for years and years and years. Jesus is willing to forgive and cover that sin completely and totally. 
Jesus didn't look to this man and say, maybe you will be, I hope, or I think maybe you'll be with me today. Jesus said, today you will. See, Jesus being God had all authority in his hands. When Jesus says something, the word is final, it's guaranteed, it's certain. When Jesus says you're forgiven, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, you're forgiven. When Jesus says you're a son or daughter of his, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, you are a son or daughter of his. When Jesus says you are cleansed, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, you are cleansed. And Jesus has the authority because he is God. Jesus says, you will be with, you will be with me. What people get so wrong about Christianity is Christianity is not about rules and regulations. What Jesus is so clearly proclaiming to the criminal that's to his left is it's not about rules and regulations or good deeds. It's about a relationship with God. You will be with me, he says. This Criminal could not get off the cross and live a life of good deeds. He could not get off the cross and live a life of charity. He could not say, look at my years behind me, Jesus. Do my goods outweigh my bads? He was in a situation where his life was slipping from his fingers. And yet Jesus does not ask him because salvation does not come through good deeds. Salvation is a gift. And when you put your faith and trust in what Jesus has done on the cross, you are forgiven and you are saved. Will you stand with me? We celebrate the most important moment in all of history and humanity. We celebrate this moment, this day. We've been celebrating as Christians this day for 2,000 years because it's the day that Jesus did something that nobody else has ever done. Jesus paid the price for all of humanity's sins he went into a grave, and when people thought the story was over, they just had to wait three days. The grave could not hold Jesus, and Jesus rose again. People saw him and wrote about him, and Jesus ascended on high and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's given us a period in time, a window. A window is what each and every one of us have, a window. A window that will close when your heart stops beating and the air is no longer in those lungs. Your window will be over. But a window, each and every one of us get a window to accept the gift of salvation. There's a moment when we realize our brokenness, our fallenness, how we've blown it. And there's a moment in that 
that we don't say, I'm going to try to earn it all. We say, Jesus, I could never do anything to deserve paradise. But I'm putting my faith and trust in what you have already done. I hear what your word says in Romans. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And today I will not leave this room like the thief on the cross. I don't know when my life will end, but I will not leave this room until I call on your name and you wash and forgive me of my sins. And I leave this room confident that my place is secured in paradise. And we end the service like that. Each service, I've made a clear call for people, whether they're in the back or the front, whether they're in the overflow or they're watching online, and each service, people have responded to the call. Not a call from me, a mere man, but a call from God, His Spirit working amongst us and calling you as His creation back to Him, the Creator. And if you hear the words ringing true right now and you sense it, whether you're with a group of people or you came into this room alone and you know without a shadow of a doubt that God is calling you to cross that line and make the decision to make Jesus your Lord, to put your faith today, not tomorrow, in Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it boldly. Raise your hand boldly. I see your hands. Raise your hand boldly if you're making that decision to say today... I put my faith, I see you, my faith and trust in Jesus. And we have a short time before the next service, but I'm going to ask you to take one more bold step, a step I've had people take every service. I want you that raise your hand. I want you to step out of your seat. Tell the people, excuse me, I need to get forward. I need to respond to God this morning. And I'm going to invite you forward to either come up on this side or this side. And I'm going to pray with you that in this moment here in a physical environment that you would be spiritually reborn. So if you raise your hand, I want you to step out of your seat and I want you to come forward. I saw people all over this room. I want you to stand forward and I want you to come up. And let's, let's applaud. Let's celebrate. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, come up to the front. Don't let this moment go by. Absolutely, God bless you. God bless you. Come up to the front. If you know God is speaking to you, come forward. Respond to the call of God upon your life. It's the only thing we're, we can do is respond. And I'm going to pray with you. It's not a magical prayer that saves you. Let me be super clear. It's not you going and trying to earn your salvation, doing a bunch of good deeds. It's a simple decision that you make, that you wake up to, and you realize that Jesus is who he says he is. And that one day he will return and I need to put my faith and trust in him to make me new. So I'm going to pray with you. Once again, it's not the words that you say, but it's the decision you make in your heart. And I want you to pray with me with the sincerity of your heart before almighty God himself as a sinner asking that he would wash away your sins. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You could repeat after me. God. I heard you today. I realize that I've sinned and I've fallen short. I'm like that thief on the cross. I want to be made new. I want you to bring me into your kingdom. I need you to wash away my sins. 
I put my faith in you, Jesus, in the work that you've done. I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe that after three days, you resurrected. And today, I trust you. Today, I'm a follower of you. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Would we celebrate together in a room? If you're up at the front and you've made that decision, don't run back yet. You have somebody that's behind you, a prayer partner, that's somebody that's part of this church that wants to help you understand the next steps that you can take to really grow in your relationship with God. So please connect with the person that's behind you. And the rest of us, as we end this service, let us celebrate and sing to Jesus. Let's sing together.